Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hey loves, welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful morning? I hope that wherever you are, you are taking some time out of this busy holiday season to pause, to take a deep breath in, feel that breath coming into the body and nourishing you, and to let it out. So, happy holidays to everyone. I just uh, wanted to wish you all the best as we close out 2020. I also want to say happy solstice. So for those of you that celebrate as I do the winter solstice, this is a time of renewal, a time of new beginnings. Uh, For myself, I see it as the actual new year because it is when the sun begins to lengthen its time on our part of the world. And so it's a prime time to sit in that darkness and plant the seeds of intention for what you'd like to come to fruition in the year ahead. Now, when you're hearing this recording, um, if you're hearing it on the publishing day of Wednesday, the solstice was uh, a couple days ago. So it's not too late to set your intentions. If you're just listening to this now and you're like, oh my God, I didn't set my intentions. It's okay. It's okay, it doesn't have to be exactly on the day, but please do that today or tomorrow so that you can still take advantage of this energy shift. The Great Conjunction was also on uh, Monday, the 21st, and there's some really potent energy happening with Saturn and Jupiter coming together in the sign of Aquarius, which the big deal is, for those of you that don't know, the big deal of this is, other than the fact that you could see Saturn's rings with the visible eye from Earth, which is freaking amazing. I didn't get to see it because it was cloudy where I was. I was kind of bummed about it, but my friend saw it and she's in Colorado. And I was like, wow, she could see Saturn's rings. It's crazy. Um, Not only is this a scientific, astronomical awesome moment, um, I think they said something like this is the closest these planets have come together since like 16 something or other. I can't even remember the year, like medieval times, or maybe it was 1200. I don't know. But aside from that astrologic, astronomical moment, there's also some astrological energy to that where um, the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter are coming into Aquarius is significant because this is the first time they've moved into an air sign. So they've been coming together in earth signs for the last 200 years. And now with this movement into Aquarius, which is an air sign, things are really starting to shake up. I mean, if 2020 wasn't already a sign of that, well, buckle up because there's more ahead and um, it's pretty exciting. So definitely set your attentions for the coming year for the coming five years, 10 years, for your big vision? Like what is your big vision of your life? You know, what do you want to contribute to the world with this life that you have? What do you wanna do? What do you, what do you dream of doing? And I, and I mean dream big. I mean, think about the dream that feels almost impossible totally wild, crazy, like there's no way that kind of dream, you know, uh, one of my business friends, (laughs) he, um, he asked me this question. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but he asked me this question. If you had a hundred million dollars and everything you ever wanted was already in your possession, you had everything you wanted. You had nothing for want, nothing. And someone gave you a hundred million dollars. What would you do with that money? So that's his, his way of saying, what is your vision in the world? What do you wanna create? And so I pose that question to you guys. What's your $100 million vision? B- 
you know, what do you what do you think? Because you might say, oh, I want a house here, a car there, a private jet, blah, 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 all these things, right? But that's still in the in the scope of a hundred million dollars. That's just a little nick, a little chip off of that hundred million dollars. So think about it, set the intention and see what happens. Take advantage of this magical, potent energy. It's so exciting. Um, okay, so because we are in the holiday season and me and my team would like a little bit of a break uh, so that we can plan and make more magic in the coming year, we need to just take a little bit of a break from creating. So we're gonna run a few best of episodes to see you through the new year, the calendar year that is. Um, and I picked a few that I thought would be really awesome for those of you who might be new to the show. So for this week, I've um, decided to go with my interview with Mahan Rishi Singh Khalsa. Uh, he's one of my my favorite teachers. He's he's a teacher of mine who's made a huge impact on me and still continues to do so. Uh, and this conversation was so much fun. Uh, I think you'll love it. And it's so appropriate to what's going on now, especially with this shift of Saturn and Jupiter coming into conjunction in Aries. Uh, one of the topics he talks about, and we had this conversation at the beginning of the pandemic. It was uh, late April, I believe. And everyone was still unnerved and unsettled and trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? How do we respond to this? Um, and now with this shift into the air sign, I find this episode really uh, appropriate. He talks about um, this great analogy that I love. Think about a caterpillar and how that caterpillar is a master of walking, a master of the earth. And then that caterpillar goes through its metamorphosis. When it comes out of the cocoon as a butterfly, the first thing it does or it needs to do is to jump, right? To learn how to fly. I mean, its wings are sticky, you know, but it's gotta make the, the completion of the transformation by jumping. And so then the butterfly that was a caterpillar can then work towards being a master of the wind, a master of the air which is actually so needed now, now that we are shifting into the energy of the zodiac air signs. Um, so yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. I'm so excited to hear any feedback from this particular episode. So drop a line at Yogi on Instagram, or you can email me, lesliann at suryagiyan.com. I wish you all the best this holiday season, no matter what it looks like. I hope that you can find peace, that you can express gratitude, and that you can feel love deep within you. Because as you know, love is all around. You are love made manifest. Enjoy this episode, and I will see you next week. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope everyone is feeling good and doing well. And if you're not, that you have the people around you who will support you in whatever you need. <clears throat> so for our episode today, I would like to welcome a very special guest. He is uh, one of my biggest mentors. He is a established teacher in the kundalini yoga tradition and he's also a chiropractor for those of you that don't know he's got a center in yardley pennsylvania um, that he runs with his wife and they are such beautiful people i'm so blessed to have them in my life and i'd like to welcome to the show mahan rishi singh khalsa my guru hi guru welcome to the show i'm so thank glad you. that you could join me this is so it's such an honor to um thank you to have you on because i love um our conversations when we do see each other um and i think that your presence on the show would just be so fun because i've had a few guests where our conversations kind of 
go into the seriousness of, of things, you know, particularly with this pandemic. But I know that you can talk about um, some of these serious things with light, but also with a little bit of fun. So um, I'm looking forward to what our conversation will be like. So to start the, the podcast episode, I will take my roulette of poems and just flip through and see where it stops. Um, okay, so this is, this poem is called Turn Left a Thousand Feet from Here. What I really want to give you, I can't. Yet all day long, I try painting maps on the sky with bright, tender sounds that say, turn left a thousand feet from here, just past that next hill, then make a sharp right. As soon as you see that big rock that looks like an egg, there you will find a decent tavern. I am like a wise friend. If you come close to me, I will write down the address of the woman who will ravish you most. Hafiz never wants to offend. So in anything I ever say, you can always freely switch the gender. Come close to me. I will whisper in your ear a secret about the one who has made us all nuts. <laughs> These poems are so fun. <laughs> so, um, so for me, I, um, I'm seeing these as directions towards um, a connection with the higher self and the beloved. But I wanted to get your thoughts um, on what might stand out for you in the poem. Any images, any sentiments? What do you think? Yeah. Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is the intangibility of the spiritual journey. And yet, can you just read, there's one line of the sky. Uh, it's toward the beginning, I think. He says something about the sky. He says, yet all day long, I try painting maps on the sky with bright, tender sounds. Yeah, that, that's a, a, a beautiful line because the spiritual journey itself is so subtly formless. And yet there's this uh, tendency to try to um, make it solid, make it um, something that we can hold on to, that we can cling to, that we can um, uh, credentialize in some way. And it just isn't that. Uh, you know, writing, writing on the sky is, <laughs> just shows that it's impermanent and it's invisible. And we, we can't actually write on the sky. Um, and uh, on the spiritual journey, we really need to let go and trust Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a um, relevant message for right now. And I think that's, that's part of the challenges of the times right now, because we are um, experiencing this enormous uh, shifting of energies uh, on a planetary and also people are feeling it within their personal life. And none of us know where this is going to go. We don't know where we're going to land. There, there, this, is, this is tapping into... Uh, so many different aspects of our lives. Of course, you know, people are concerned about work and things like that. But this is this is going to uh, this is affecting all different strata of our lives, very much in the personal social dimension. And so we don't know where we're going to really end up. And you know, like uh, Emmanuel, the um, spirit entity, has said, "Faith isn't jumping from point A to point B." Faith is jumping from point A. So basically, it's like the butterfly. When the butterfly comes out and, you know, it, it slowly warms up its wings after it's come out of the cocoon, the first thing it has to do is jump. And it has to, you know, th this, this, this being that was a master at walking and is so good at walking up trees and around branches and everything, has to let go of something it was really good at so it can fly. So it can be this winged being. As a caterpillar, it was, it, was, it was very connected with the earth. It was a master of the earth. Now it's a master of the wind and the sky. 
And it's really the same thing with this journey right now that we're all on. I think faith and trust are really essential ingredients that we have to uh, connect with and relax. Faith, trust, and relax in the flow. And, and what's in many ways what's happening is so incredibly essential to our planet and in our personal lives that people can stop grasping for the familiar, for the past, because that familiar in the past is was created a very sick planet and um, a dysfunctional planet. And so if people can let go and just be, you know, allow a lot of the past and these patterns to, to diffuse, we can fly. We can have something really beautiful. Well, well, there that's, and that's beautiful. And I love how you, um, you really honed in on the caterpillar being a master of walking, of being earthed and grounded. And then suddenly it's this thing that now becomes, you know, part of the air and, and airborne and doesn't have the, the solidity of, of being on earth. But what I wanted to ask you was, you know, you're saying just let go and, and people listening and including myself, I'm like, that's easier said than done. So how do you, how do you do that? Because I think, that yes, we can have faith and trust, but how do we get there? Because a lot of people, this is the unknown for everybody. A lot of people are saying, when we get back to normal, when we do this, when this is all over, I'm going to do this, that like, they're going to, in their minds, go back to what it used to be, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if you really think about it, I don't think that's possible, but it's something familiar that we're holding on to because we can't imagine what the future will hold for us or unfold. So how do we, so there's a few questions here. How do we let go um, and, and trust and have faith? Um, but then also how do we, I don't know, just move towards that unknown? Imagination. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> well, you know, this is one of the things that happens um, with, let's say, um, maybe adulthood as children we are we are born with this incredible facet within our being to have a sense of curiosity a sense of exploration mm-hmm. a, a, a constant experience of experimentation a constant uh, sense of discovery imagination curiosity, all these things. Mm-hmm. And then as people go into somebody training to um, establish themselves in the world, um, a lot of energy goes into credentializing the sense of self. And, and the sense of self is projected into the world and into work and creating whatever to, to work, you know, to survive. And these aspects of self, of discovery, of curiosity, of astonishment, of wonder, of mm-hmm. just uh, of exploration, become buried in the survival mentality of just maintaining status quo. Or what happens also, which is a really um, an unfortunate distraction, is to increase the material quality of someone's life. Mm-hmm. So the material quality, there's nothing wrong with, with having beautiful material quality in one's life. But when, when one's energy is consumed by that and one's attention um, and sense of self-worth is built on material uh, well-being or, or material uh, aspects, then we, we get really sidetracked. And one of the things he says, you know, go left, okay? All right, so if you go left... That sets up a whole flow of probabilities. If you go right, it sets up a different set of probabilities. So we want to, what what this says also is how we're making our choices. And so awareness and consciousness is the foundation for making really healthy choices. And as we do that, we're going to do things that are in alignment with our heart. And I sense this is a time on the planet, uh, on environmental level, also personal level, that we can realign with our heart and what's really essential. We're going to, we're, due to the necessity, we're having to, to simplify in many ways. And, 
And also, I'm finding for myself, pausing and noticing things, the simple aspects of life, and really appreciating them with a much greater sense of gratitude. Yeah. So I think, I think that um, the journey requires us to tap into a part of ourselves that we've neglected. And I think that's really important. Um, other aspects have obscured our awareness of the essential things in our life, like our families and like the planet and, and our hearts and soul and spirit. And we've given our attention to other things. So I think this time is just allowing us to get back to our heart and trusting that and, and trusting that and, and being in that flow of creative imagination and creative spirit. Um, we can let go and we can have a, a birth of something new. Well, yeah, and it's and it's trusting that whatever births, whatever comes forth, is the next right thing, um, which is hard. Which is hard because a lot of a lot of people are going through suffering and pain, and you know, you think about those families who have lost loved ones to um, to COVID nineteen. You know, and they're they might be thinking like, where am I supposed to? you know, get this idea of faith and trust. I just lost my mom or my dad or, you know, whoever. Um, so there's a lot of, a well, lot of pain. Yeah. I, 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 my heart goes out to everyone and, and everybody's suffering on some level mm -hmm. with this. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's the really um, one of the most devastating scenarios of this whole situation is losing loved ones and, and, um, and what comes out of that experience afterwards. Um, hopefully, um, it will deepen other relationships mm. that people have with a greater sense of appreciation. Uh, hopefully, people, we can all come out of this with um, some greater sense of appreciation for what we have mm. and realizing that. Um, you know, w with this situation, there is choice as to how we want to navigate it. And we can uh, find a place within us that uh, is new and, or something that we've neglected. That's really important to us. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think it's important uh, what you said about choice. You know, a lot of us forget that we have the power of choice in how we respond to whatever is happening in our life. Um, but I know that for those that haven't yet started the spiritual journey, um, feel lost and feel like, you know, how am I supposed to, um, be okay with this tremendous loss, for example, or with losing my, my income, my source of income, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to feed my children? You know, um, what are some ways that people can begin to not only be with themselves in a quiet conversation, but to, um, to change their mindset, to change the choices that they're making in how they're responding. Like what, what can they do? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things. Of course, creating some type of practice is helpful. And, and um, I think a lot of people, um, may not want to sit and do meditation or do yoga. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is I, true. <laughs> I, you know, I, I encourage people to find whatever is self-nurturing and, and is creative. So it could be anything. It could be some type of, um, you know, good music. It could be gardening. It could be out in nature. Um, something that's going to help free up one's mind from the everyday thinking process. So what keeps people really locked in to a certain perspective, of course, is fear. Okay, that's a big part of it. But also a just a limited <laughs> perspective on things. And, and so however we can expand our, our view is really important because most people are traveling around, they're looking through a little um, pea size or pinhole uh, into the universe. And so if you're looking through a little pinhole and all you see is what you've lost, and all you see is what you're familiar with, that's gonna, it's, it's going to appear 
as though your choices are extremely limited. So that's why I keep coming back to imagination because imagination connected with the heart and our intuition. And as we do that, this pinhole expands and opens up and we, we take the, the, the glasses off and we realize, wow, okay, there's all these things available and all these possibilities. And, and so one of the things we wanna, people wanna be careful of is not making choices just out of survival. Mm -hmm. we, we live in a country that provides incredible possibility for the expression of creativity. I mean, our country bows at the altar of individual um, empowerment. And, and so it's, it's wide open as to what people can do in the material plane in many ways. And so people want to be careful not to attach to what's familiar. I mean, how odd would it be for the butterfly to attach to its legs? And do you ever see a butterfly walking around on the, on the ground? So awkward. I mean, yeah, it'd be awkward. It'd be weird, right? You see a butterfly, it has these amazing wings, and yet it's attached to walking because that's what it used to be good at. Mm, and, mm. And, and this is what people do. They get attached to what they've been good at in the past, even though it's not actually something that's um, enhancing their well-being and their wholeness. And so I, I encourage imagination. And, and this is an opportunity. There's, I mean, there's, things are going to come back in different ways. And, and actually, there's going to be tremendous openings due to this. There's going to be new possibilities. Mm. And people are, are working through opening up pushing through, also just creating through their their infinite awareness other ways to do things, and it's going to come through, so there's going to be more. I mean, the veil of, of separation is so thin right now, so there's a lot of possibility. I say imagination. Yeah. Uh, and, and finding environments, you know, don't just, don't just be stuck in front of a screen all the time. Um, get out and Talk to the sky. I mean, that's that's such a perfect, beautiful analogy. Talk to the sky. Talk to the flowers. Talk to the earth. Talk to the wind, and and messages will come through. Mm, I love that. I love that because it makes it um, accessible to people who are like, I can't sit for meditation. You know, like I, I I'm too like I got to move around or whatever. And so I love the the invitation to have people engage with what feels good for them, where they're just doing it because they enjoy it, not because it's productive, not because it's something that produces a thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think that's really important that will help to facilitate the opening of imagination. Because like you said earlier, that we forget as adults, we forget what it's like to explore and to, not everybody, but you know, most of us, we get um, indoctrinated in this society to become a worker, right? A productive worker of, of, our, of our culture that we forget to, um, to invent things, to explore. And I think that this moment, and, and you said it really um, wonderfully, is that it's an opportunity to create. And you see people, you know, like you, for example, holding classes on Zoom, you know? <laughs> and like, would you ever think that you would be holding kundalini yoga classes virtually, you know? And the whole idea of it is, is bizarre, but it's happening, you know? Um, and that's just a small example. So who knows what else is, is going on out there? Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think there's such a tendency in, in modern cultures now in particular, especially with the Industrial Revolution, is, and it's not, there's nothing wrong with it to be productive and to accomplish and achieve. I mean, it's one of the ways that we feel uh, fulfilled and, and, and all in life. But it's not just about, life isn't just about producing and achieving. Right. And so this aspect of, of doing nothing is really important. And you know, if we look at indigenous cultures, of course, there's a lot of work in living in an indigenous natural environment. Of course, you're, uh, a person could be out gathering food or building or whatever, collecting firewood or whatever they need to do for their survival. But there's also time for just being, and there's time for being in nature. And it's not just about producing and, and allow, letting yourself be um, your identity and self-definition being 
being defined by what you produce and what you you accomplish. I mean, what people always ask the question, what do you do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, like that's the first question after they introduce themselves, right? Yeah, to get a sense of you're doing is part of your identity, right? Is is a part of who you are. So a, a lot of what people are doing is there's is totally disconnected from their heart and their inner mm-hmm. being, unfortunately. Um, in a very mechanized and technological world now, people are doing things that that they might be good at, but not necessarily really feeding their their higher self or their their heart and soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, you know, as as you were talking, I was thinking about how people generally they they think they're good at something, you know, they do it well, then maybe that's the thing that they're supposed to do. But forgetting the connection to the heart and needing that heart. Like, you know, I could be good at graphic design. You know, I could I could make social media posts that look fantastic. Is that connected to my heart? Me personally, not necessarily, no. But, you know, a lot of people, what they do is they find that one thing that they're good at, they hone in on that, but then they leave their their heart, they leave their inner child behind, that then they become this um, identity that's tied in with what they're doing. So now with this quarantine, with this pandemic, everyone, not everyone, but most people have lost their sense of identity um, because they're not at the job that they're used to doing, which gives them that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so there's probably a lot of scary things (laughs) happening out in the world, like, you know, energetically or mentally, um, what what can you I guess recommend for people who are doing that? We we have the the practices, the physical practices of of you know gardening or talking to the sky, which I love by the way. Um, but what about you know those times when let's say I don't know it's midnight, it's totally dark, and someone's mind is going crazy. Like I don't know who I am. I'm going through this identity crisis because I can't work at my office job. Um, do you have any? guidance for those folks yeah well i think this is a good time for people to find some in, some internal practice some internal way of of creating a reconnection I, I, you know being quarantined doesn't mean that people are free of the mental stuff. I mean, in many ways, the quarantine is, is stirring up more mental stuff. And so there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for people to activate more mental junk food. Mm-hmm. So mental junk food can be just surfing on the internet, just you know, looking into the screen, watching videos, watching Netflix, watching this, watching that over and over, you know, all these different things just plugged in. People you know, there's a there's an addictive quality to busy, and mm-hmm. addictive quality to feeding the mental noise and the mental conversation. So, people will oftentimes just keep feeding it. And so, what people can do during the day is doing things that aren't um, feeding the mental noise and, and the habitual patterning. So whatever that is, and I, and I see it on our streets. I know you know people are out in their lawns hmm. and planting planting flowers. I mean that's what we're doing. Um, I think gardens are getting a lot of attention. Oh uh, yeah, gardens and pets are getting a lot of attention. These days. The pets may not like the attention. <laughs> I heard it's a conspiracy actually by dogs and cats <laughs> hoping to get their their owners and families back home. I don't know about the cats. The cats are probably thinking that's not a good idea. Not <laughs> <laughs> space. Anyway, you know, so to find things that are, are creative in a sense of um, just, uh, you know, it might be like seem like a mundane activity, but it, and that mundane activity can just be relaxing to the mind. And so then if people are doing more of that, then at night, um, I think there'll be less anguish and less racing of the mind and less stressing about things and then you know of course if somebody's up then you know of course breathing lots of long deep breathing putting on quiet music i i recommend you know people finding music that's really nurturing for them Mm. um 
music is a great way to change internal mood mm-hmm. and internal states. So, um, you know, during the day, put on happy music, positive music in the house. There's a lot of opportunity for generating energy. I mean, in our teacher training last weekend, we had a dance party. So, oh, nice. we're, yeah, we're on Zoom. We've got like 25 plus people in the training. So we asked people, yeah, bring your favorite music. We're going to dance. So, you know, everybody's dancing in their house. and Kids are coming in. They're dancing. The, the pets are jumping around and everything. I <laughs> love so, it. You know, we can, we can, there's things that we can do to, I mean, first thing is noticing, okay, am I depressed? Am I anxious? Am I struggling? Am I obsessing? And realizing, okay, yeah, okay, this might be what I'm doing. Okay, what can I do? Okay, I can put on music. I can, I can go outside. I can play games. A lot of people are doing puzzles now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there are all kinds of creative things that we can do. I would say feed the creative energy. You know, it's like when we do yoga. We say, let the yoga do the work. Yeah. It's not like you're doing an asana or pranayama or something or chanting and managing managing it. I mean, people will do that. But what we want to do is just do the practice and the, the practice will create the openings and the flow. And it's the same thing, you know, with whatever it is, get the mind off of obsessing about the future because the future is changing. We have to face that reality. And, um, and this great possibility with this, great things can come out of this, things that can be so much better. And a lot of times, you know, I'll mention to people, follow, follow your imaginative creative spirit and something will most likely show up and may be completely different than you've ever thought or you've ever done before. And this can feed you. And so what I recommend is people give time to cultivating your aliveness. Mm. Use your imagination. I mean, there's incredible possibility here. And yeah, we may need, we may need to let go of things. Everybody, we're all going to be letting go of things for sure. But it's without a doubt. Yeah. It's things that we really like, things that we're attached to, but there could be new things that are arising that, that can be better and ultimately creating more balance. I mean, yes. we're, 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 the planet is incredibly dysfunctional now. So um, this dysfunctionality is seeping, you know, through, you know, all different stratas of our life. And we can come back to something really beautiful and profound. I mean, there's a lot of things we could do. Yesterday near our car, my wife, she um, had a cooking class with our family. So oh, nice. one family member is in Montauk, New York. Another part of our family is in Phoenix, Arizona. Another part of our family is in Seattle, Washington. So all of them were together cooking and, you know, creating uh, vegan raw pizza. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just a fun, creative thing. So a lot, a lot of things we can do together and that can actually cultivate better family relations. Yeah, yeah. You know, um I was thinking as you were talking that, uh, you know, I have, I ha- so I, I teach um, undergraduates also at Rutgers and I have, you know, the, the 20 something demographic and a lot of them are aware of their anxieties and their, and their depression, but they, um, not all of them, but a lot of them seem to choose, and I don't know if it's a choice, but seem to choose to, um, stay in their patterns. Um, and I know that there, there are certain, um, levels of engagement with anxiety and depression where it's, it's physiological as well. You know, it's not just a mental, like, oh my God, I'm so depressed, but there are some real physiological things happening. So, um, I don't know if, if what, you know, this idea of just simply nurturing your creative energy and, and working towards that, does that, I don't know if they choose that. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm seeing some students that they, they just kind of like, oh, you know, like they, they don't seem like they want to choose to get out of the dark place that they're in, but I'm not in that position. So I can't, you know, I can't say, Hey, just buck up and, you know, pick yourself up and choose differently. So I didn't know if, if you had any thoughts on that. 
Well, it's, it's difficult. I mean, we're all subject to our conditioning. So our mm. conditioning serves itself. It's not our conditioning, our karmic patterns, our habitual unconscious patterning is serving its own agenda, mm. not, not serving us. So we all have uh, patterning that we are unconsciously um, uh, caught in without knowing it. And, and what happens is this conditioning will perpetuate itself until we are exposed to a different reality, mm. and until that reality becomes more, becomes stronger and uh, has, has a greater presence than the current conditioning and habitual patterning. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in the depressive states, the, we just shrink down, you know, I was talking about the pinhole. Well, the pinhole is like almost microscopic now. Mm. It's, it's so internalized and so it is so self-directed um, in, in, a, in, in a way that's um, uh, really difficult to emerge from. And so I, I recommend people just try something new. Just try, just try to experiment. I say experiment because in an experiment, if it doesn't work, you just do it different. And, yeah. and um, you know, just try, just realize, you know, it's hard to talk to somebody and say, okay, you have choice. Okay. Right. When the, when the, when that choice spectrum is so contracted and so mm -hmm. narrow, and it feels like there's no choice because the, the mental mood is so repressed and suppressed to, to see anything. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do you know that, do you know the metaphor, the analogy of the frog in the well for, I'm thinking of that, how the there's, frog, yeah, the frog in the, in the, the boiling pot. Well, no, <laughs> I don't know that one. You can share that one. I was thinking more of the, there's a frog in the well and he thinks that that's his whole world, that that's the universe. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, and doesn't know that there's this entire vast landscape beyond the confines of the well. So I think about that as you were talking about the pinhole. But what's the um, frog in the boiling pot? Uh, there, there's a lot of frog analogies. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that's similar to yours. That was given by Einstein. Einstein said the 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 perception of the universe of most people is like that of a frog thirty feet deep in a muddy pond looking up toward the sky. Mm. That's a grid analogy. Yeah. Mean, the water is the mind, and the mud is all the thinking and all the mm. emotions. And so, what do we see? We don't see anything really. And so what meditation yoga does, is it at least gets us above water. So we can see, okay, yeah, there's all this possibility. Um, the one with the boiling water with the frog is um, if you have boiling water and a frog jumps into that boiling water, it'll jump right out again. Yeah. But if you put a frog in water and you slowly increase the heat, oh, man. the frog doesn't know to jump out. It will boil to death. Oh, and that's really a perfect analogy of what's happening to the planet right now. Hmm. Okay, we're doing it to ourselves, and we don't know. We're not waking up. And also, if there's a great um, Zen haiku, the frog rises to the surface by the strength of its non-attachment. Oh. The frog, the frog rises to the surface by the strength of its non-attachment. Wow. It's, a, it's, a, it's such an important message because on some level we need to let go. Yeah. So if the frog is clinging to the bottom of the pond, it's just not going to rise up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The same with humans. Yeah, but that last line, I mean, with haiku, like traditionally, structurally, that last line is the one that turns and takes you by surprise. And yeah. that one did it because I was thinking about the frog or the frog. And then all of a sudden the word non-attachment comes in. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to write that one down. Um, amazing. Um, so. So, yeah. So just thinking about, you know, this this idea of it's a moment of spiritual awakening, as a lot of, a lot of people are saying, you know, it's a moment of, of shifting energies um, in the world. And, and I had asked, you know, so what do we do with this? And, you know, people want to go back to 
how it used to be, which, you know, as, as the days go on, as the weeks go on, you know, it's slowly occurring to, to most people, not all people that you can't necessarily go back to what the way it was. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, I saw a headline that California is quote unquote reopening. I don't know what that looks like, but, um, (laughs) I'm, I'm just curious about that, but, um, I was just, thinking about this idea of, of creating and how as adults, we don't remember that. So um, one of the things that Shannon talked about, which, you know, she was on, on the show a, a few episodes back, she talked about being present in the now. And I don't, how do you explain that to people who are like, you know, just your everyday person that's like, oh, I can't wait to go back to, you know, the mall to buy the thing that I need to buy, or I need, I can't wait to go back and, you know, to wait the way it was where I could just go to my mom's house and hang out and hug her and do whatever I want. Um, there, there's all this forward thinking, this future thinking. Um, how do we stay present in the now and be like, and be able to sit with it, even if it's uncomfortable? Well, yeah, well, that's essential. That's a really essential thought because the point of power is in the present moment. So people keep speculating and anticipating and, and, and pushing themselves in the future um, or attaching, let's say, to that. And mm-hmm. it's going to create a lot of limitation. The first thing is gratitude, really, is, is having a sense of appreciation for what we have. Um, of course, um, there, there is a lot of trauma in the world with this and tragedy and suffering and my heart goes out to everyone um, who's experiencing that i think in general though most people are feeling a very contracted mm. experience right now um, that's not allowing them to work or do the, the normal things and um i think there's still a lot to be grateful for and for, not, for people not to focus on what they don't have but to focus on what they do have and like I mentioned earlier to if possible open up the mind around us because other things are going to reveal themselves that are going to show great um, promise and great fulfillment Um, and hopefully it's going to happen within people's families and people's uh, current environments and and to be open to something totally new you know there's a lot of ways, ways to live this life when I was 18, I hitchhiked up to Alaska, mm-hmm. and um, I met someone up there. I met a man. We were we were looking for cabins out in the wilderness, and we we discovered this this man and his family from Detroit. And what he did is he took his entire family out of Detroit: his wife, his wife's sister, three or four children, and a dog, and they took off. Wow. He said he'd had enough of suburbia. He had enough of cutting lawns the way everybody does. And they took off. They just went up to Alaska with totally the unknown. They lived on a dock for weeks with his family. And then they eventually found a cabin out in the woods. What, what this requires in many ways is innovation and creativity. Mm-hmm. And, what he, and so what he was doing with his family, they've been there for, for a couple of years now. They lived through the winter and everything. They're plugging. They would plug up the holes in the in the um, in the cabin with with mud, glue, and straw or grass. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I'm bringing up this story because I said, "Wow, you know, his family, the kids were so happy. You know, they're just so happy. They're just running around." And I said, "You know, wow, your grass is really high. I guess you don't cut it." He says, yeah, I'm not into cutting the lawn anymore. And the kids are running through the grass and the dog and everything. And, you know, they're just having the greatest time. And and so if we can let go, I mean, something powerful and beautiful can appear for us that's much more fulfilling. So part of this is, is of course, gratitude and innovation, being innovative and creative, and also courage. Mm. It's going to require some courage sometimes. Um, I would imagine it took a lot of courage and and spirit to move his whole family up to Alaska. And, you know, sometimes we need to make bold steps. 
Yeah, but a lot of trust too, right? I mean, he, yeah. he had the courage, but he also trusted that whatever was waiting for him was it was what it needed to be. Yeah, and, and trusting his own re- inner resources. I mean, right. this, this is what we want to learn as well, that we have inner resources of empowerment that, that I mean, people are learning it now, but in these, these env- current environments, but we can, we can tap our inner resources and power in a lot of different environments. And I think that trust is, is, knowing, is knowing that there's a part of ourselves that can, that can do this. Yeah. And again, it's with the forgetting. I want to tell you, like every, uh, during this conversation, I'm, I'm seeing a pattern of like us adults just forgetting a lot of stuff, forgetting that we have choices and how we respond to what's going on in our lives, um, forgetting that we can trust ourselves to have our own backs, to, to have that we have that we're equipped to take care of ourselves. Right. Um, so maybe this is a moment of remembering, you know, maybe this is a moment of of us, no matter what's going on in our lives, to um, to just remember who we are and get back to the essence of who we are. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard when you've got a lot of material things coming at you, right? You've got a lot of Maya, a lot of illusion, just distracting all of us from from our true nature. Um, but maybe this quarantine is is helping to, like you said earlier, is is thinning the veil. Yeah, I think also that um, we're going to notice how we've created our own self-imprisonment by, <laughs> yes. by, by having to um, pay off all the bills of, of things and, and all these things that we've accumulated that uh, we have to take care of and manage. And maybe we don't need all these things. And, right. and you know, I was talking with Stephen Gaskin. People probably don't know him, but he, he was um, a well-known hippie teacher in the 1960s in, in San Francisco. And what he did was he, he um, they took off from San Francisco in a caravan, all these huge buses packed with people. They drove around the country and then they found land, 1,700 acres in Tennessee. And they created their own farm, it's called The Farm. It's one of the biggest original hippie communes in, in the world. And um, so anyway, I went down to interview him his wife, Anna Gaskin, uh, was very well known for um, natural childbirth. And so my daughter was, was starting to be a midwife. So she wanted to study with her, of course. And I wanted to interview Stephen Gaskin. So I, I spoke with Stephen and he said, you know, this is back, I forget when I interviewed him, 1990s or early 2000s or so. He said, what the, what the country needs now to bring it back to balance is a depression. Mm. Of course, that's a harsh way to learn a lesson. Um, but, you know, in many ways he's right because we, we've, we've, we've become attached to all these things that we've made excessively important. Mm. We've lost our connection, what's really essential to us. And so now people have created their own self-imprisonment by having to serve the material God and, um, you know, have all this stuff. Yeah. And, and people are not happy. You know, people are not fulfilled anyway. It's just serving this thing. I mean, if you look at Gandhi, you know how many, how many possessions Gandhi had? Eight. No. Oh. Yeah, I went to his residence in um, India. He owned eight things. And so if your life isn't, I mean, I have more than eight things on my desk <laughs> I'm not 20. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not... You got a whole to, bookshelf behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to preach. I'm just talking about my own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. It, it, it is about the material and how we've we've created meaning around things that have, that are neutral. Like, you know, our mind does that where where everything is neutral, right? And it's, it, and it's, up, it's what we're doing with that neutrality, how we're creating meaning for it. You know, some people think that money is a bad thing. Other people think money is just energy that helps us, you know, in a transaction towards doing whatever we need to get done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so any, anyway, I think, you know, hopefully we don't have to go through a depression where people are suffering, but yeah. I, hopefully we can wake up and uh, realize, well, maybe we've touched too much importance to some of these things mm-hmm. and that we can live more simply and we can live more from the heart 
we can live with greater compassion, greater connection to the earth. And with each other, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Well, I mean, because there's a lot going on out there. I don't, I don't read the news much, but when I catch the headlines, I'm, I just, I'm like, hmm, you know, I think about, I think about the, the recent protests of people, you know, wanting to reopen and, and seeing that they are not understanding, like, what is actually going on. Um, yeah, their I, reality is different from mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you, and I think that I think America is is going to provide for us a long opportunity for us to get this right <laughs> because we're getting it so wrong in how we're dealing with this situation. Yeah. So yeah. I think we're gonna we're stretching out the suffering. Oh yeah. Or the quarantine or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Such a way that we get the message. Yeah. So it really sinks in. <laughs> Might be doing these Zoom classes for years. <laughs> well, I um, I just wanted to to start to close the conversation before we um, close with a poem. I wanted to ask you what you were doing personally um, with this, with this time. Um, I know that you mentioned Nirvikar did a, a zoom cooking class, which is really great. Um, and I'm just curious about what you personally are doing in terms of innovation and creativity, aside from holding, um, yoga classes on zoom. <laughs> Gardening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm spending, I mean, I, I thrive outside. So, um, mm. as much as I do, spend time doing zoom classes i i spend a lot of time outside so it's just simple simple yeah. I move dirt yeah I plant grass seed i plant flowers i'll be planting vegetable garden garden uh lettuce <laughs> probably gonna need it. <laughs> yeah are you doing more gardening than you might have like than you'd have done in the past or doing anything different in terms of gardening um yeah i'm doing more um I've done a fair amount in the past couple of years and um, yeah, I found it, it's, it's a release. It's a way for me to express my creativity. Mm. And also it's, I find the out, outdoors and nature a real refuge for me. Yeah. I plan as, as, as the weather permits and things to be outside a lot more on hikes, long hiking, things like mm. that. Mm. I'm doing a lot more music uh, as terms of practicing. Yes. Um, you know, being that we're busy doing other things, I'm getting back to my instruments. Yes. Um, I want to put energy into my language development, mm. um, things like that. Yeah, uh, just, um, of course, I'm cleaning the house. Right. <laughs> our basement, which is like the subconscious of our house, we're stuck a lot of stuff down there I didn't want to look at. Um, so, I got to start that soon, too. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I think animals are getting attention. Hopefully our children are getting attention. Mm. Uh, the gardens are getting attention. Yeah. Things are getting cleaned out. I think yeah. a lot of things are being addressed that probably have been put in the background for years. Yeah, yeah. And I and I love I love all the things that you just said because I'm thinking about the basement as a subconscious of the house and I'm like, yeah, I gotta clean that out. But um but also you you said, you know, gardening and I, I as you were talking, I was imagining you out there creating like this huge, like landscaped labyrinth. Mm. meditative labyrinth rock uh, garden type of thing but not to you know put any you. projects on you but uh, <laughs> and then I'll and, and I'll come over to har help you harvest the vegetables <laughs> okay yeah we'll have a lot of lettuce for you because <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't want I'd rather go to your garden than to the grocery store <laughs> yeah well we've been we we plant a lot of pansies and the pansies the deer like the pansies for dessert after they've eaten you know, oh, yeah <laughs> Gotta watch out for this deer. <laughs> the deer and the, the little critters are loving our gardens. They're like, like gourmet. I know. It's like, wait a minute. I was gonna eat it, not you. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 kids want to uh, wanted to plant a uh, blueberry bush, and I was like, unless you just want to feed the birds, <laughs> I'm uh, not gonna do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, Mahan Rishi, I want to just say thank you for. Um, giving me your time to talk, um, you know, because it's always wonderful to hear you speak. I, I don't know if you noticed, but I was taking notes just like 
always. Anytime you talk, I'm like, oh, I got to write that down. Even though I have a recording of this and I could probably listen to it again, there's something magic about um, hearing you and then just being able to write it down right away and be like, okay, this is a mental note for me for later that I'll try to implement. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and your wisdom and, um, and your light, of course, always. Oh, thank you. So, so it's yeah. my honor to be part of what you're doing. Um, so do you have a poem that you would like to share with the listeners? I have a poem that we've read often on retreats in the past. And then I had, um, I was cleaning out my basement <laughs> and I discovered this poem again. I haven't, oh. read it, I haven't read it for like 15 years. Oh, nice. And, um, it's a powerful poem. It's a, the poem is by Pablo Neruda. Pablo Neruda was Chilean peace activist who was a poet. It's and, one of my favorites. Yeah. And I think um, it's very relevant to what I do with teaching meditation and also very relevant to these times. So it's called Keeping Quiet. Mm. Now we will count to 12 and we will all keep still for once on the face of the earth. Let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for a second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush, without engines. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales and the man gathering salt would not look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with fire, victories with no survivors, will put on clean clothes and walk about with their brothers in the shade doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it is about. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving, and for once could do nothing, perhaps a huge silence might interrupt the sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us as when everything seems dead in winter and later proves to be alive. Now I'll count up to 12 and you keep quiet and I will go. Keep him quiet. Pablo Neruda. Oh, such a beautiful poem and so appropriate for what's happening right now. Um, he was amazing. He just had like such a great eye um, for things and a perception about him that um, I've always loved. So thank you for bringing that poem to, to, this, uh, to this show. Uh, you're welcome. Also, here's a, here's a proverb a Spanish proverb. Oh, yeah. How wonderful it is to do nothing and then to relax afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that one. That one I think we all need to do. <laughs> yeah. I think that's key. I think that's key, the word relax. You said that earlier the, at the beginning of our conversation. Um, relax is something that we have a hard time doing. Uh, and I just feel like that particular word allows for us just to let go in a way that doesn't feel like let let go because let go feels like a phrase that you hear a lot especially in, in you know meditation and spiritual communities let go just let it go and you're and everyone's like gripping on even more to their attachments but if you relax you know what that means people know what it means they go on vacation to relax you know so it's like oh yes all right i'll relax <laughs> Yeah, and, and also serving serving the part of our being that is really nourished by contentment. Mm. Yeah, you, you know, I was sitting last night before meditation and um, before meditation class, and just really in a contented state, and, and realizing contentment is is really known to us when when we can just be, and there's that inner driven um, mechanism within us. Let's go, like driven to having to be someplace else, having to do something, having mm -hmm. to accomplish something, having to be somebody. And when all that just relaxes, then there's contentment. And I think ultimately what people are seeking 
you know, with all the achieving and accomplishing and doing is to ultimately be in a space of, okay, this is enough. I, you know, I, I'm in a state of peace now. I'm content. Mm-hmm. And we want to allow that to be in the, really in the forefront of our intentions and our consciousness as we do, as we're doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important key. Um, For so. in all dimensions, whether it's a material dimension or spiritual dimension, I mean, people right. seeking and trying to achieve something spiritually. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's another, just another facet of the ego. Right. <laughs> right. When you want to achieve enlightenment, you know, in spirituality and spiritual paths, it, it doesn't make any different than like achieving enough money to go buy a Lamborghini or whatever. Exactly the same. Right? Yeah. It's the ego. It's attachment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. thank you, Mahan Rishi. I really enjoyed it. Um, and to close our episode, as I do every episode, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. Namaste. As we like to say in Kundalini Yoga, Satnam. Satnam. Much love to you and all your listeners. Healing trauma is different for everybody, but it's often overlooked when it comes to women of color. What does healing look like for us? What tools can we use? How can we tap into our own innate power to assist in that healing? In my eight-week course, Heal to Power, I help you through the challenges of healing from traumas, including the wounds of racism and sexism, in ways that work from the inside out. This is not your mama's therapy. Get on the wait list for when doors open again in late January, 2021. Go to suryagian.com, Heal to Power waitlist for more info, because you are worth healing. Your best life starts here.